From the time it was first published in the 1980s, the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark series has become notorious for traumatizing its unsuspecting young readers with its terrifying tales and haunting illustrations. The stories were adapted from a variety of myths, legends, and folklore by author Alvin Schwartz, and the illustrations were created by Stephen Gamble, whose brain must be a terrifying place to hang out. But as iconic as the series' freaky figures have become over the decades, there is one whose face is most unforgettable from the first moment you see it. She is known only as The Haunt, and her messed up origins can be traced across the globe. Stories that are shockingly similar to hers have been told by farmers in the Cumberland Gap, the Grimm brothers in Germany, and even Stoic philosophers living in ancient Rome. So today, we're going through all of them and uncovering their hidden meanings. There once was a house that stood abandoned for 10 years as a result of rumors that it was haunted. Over that decade, many brave souls tried to test their mettle by staying the night there, but something had always scared them off. One evening, the local preacher decided that he'd do his community a service by verifying if the haunting was real and if it was, he would cleanse the house of the evil presence. After dinner, he packed up some things and headed over to the estate. He made his way through the overgrown weeds and pushed the front door aside, which was easy since someone had already kicked it loose from its frame. Then he made himself a cozy fire and started reading his Bible. He sat like that for hours and nothing out of the ordinary took place. And when the clock struck 11, he laughed quietly at himself for believing the local rumors. But as the hour approached midnight, his reading was interrupted by the sound of footsteps pacing back and forth in the basement. Suddenly, he hears a thrashing and muffled screams as if a struggle was going on just below him. But then, everything went silent. The only sound was the crackle of the fireplace, so he went back to reading his Bible and waiting for something interesting to happen. He didn't have to wait long because he soon heard the sound of footsteps coming up the basement stairs. They got louder and louder until he could hear them on the other side of the cellar door. And when he saw the basement doorknob turn, he felt a cold chill go down his spine. As the door opened, he blurted out, what do you want? And before he could get a glimpse of who was on the other side, the door slammed shut and the footsteps lumbered back down the stairs. Not willing to investigate, the preacher went right back to reading his Bible. But after a while, the silence was broken once again by the sound of footsteps climbing up the stairs. He watches the cellar door open slowly and a glowing shape begins to form in front of him. It appears to be a woman, but the moment he asks her what she wants, she disappears again. This time, she left the cellar door open, so the preacher closed it himself. Then, he turned his chair to face the door and went back to reading. It wasn't long before the footsteps returned and the cellar door opened again, but this time, he didn't call out to her. He quietly asks her, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, what do you want? In response, she rushed towards the preacher and grabbed his coat. His face was only a few inches from hers, or what was left of hers and he could see every disgusting detail. It was a young woman about 20 years old. Her hair was torn and tangled, and the flesh was dropping off her face so he could see the bones and part of her teeth. She had no eyeballs, but there was a soft blue light way back in her eye sockets, and she had no nose to her face. In a whispery voice that came and went with the wind, the haunt told her story. She explained that she'd been killed by her lover for her money, then buried in the cellar 
and she said that if the preacher could dig up her bones and bury her properly, she could finally rest. The preacher was perfectly willing to do that, but he knew there was some other kind of unfinished business. And this is where it gets real interesting. The haunt then asked him another favor, to help her catch her murderer by putting the end of her finger bone in the church collection plate. She says if he does that, then returns to the house that night at midnight, she'll tell him where her money is buried. Then she lets out a long sob like she's tired and disappears through the floor. The preacher found her bones in the basement and gave them a proper burial in the backyard, except for her finger, which he took with him to the church and put in the collection plate the following Sunday morning. As he watched the plate make the rounds, his heart raced with anticipation. The idea that a murderer had been attending his services for the past 10 years without him knowing it scared him more than coming face to face with the haunt. The preacher waited with bated breath for a signal, and as the collection plate approached the end of the line, he heard a man's voice scream bloody murder. The bony finger had stuck to his hand, and no matter how much he rubbed, scraped, and tore at the bone, he couldn't get it off. The man was so panicked that he confessed to his crimes right then and there. Then the police carried him off to jail, and not long after, he was hanged in the center of town. On the night of his execution, the preacher returned to the haunted house and met with the haunt, who kept her word. She revealed that her money was buried under the hearth rock, so he dug it up and donated it to the church. And as happy of an ending as this appears to be, the preacher was forever changed by his encounter with the haunt, as was his coat. The spot where her bony fingers had grabbed was stained with her fingerprints, and they never came out, even after he used Tide to go. Now I'm not gonna lie to you, I am not sure if this story would be as memorable without that horrifying illustration of the haunt. This thing is the undead embodiment of night terrors, which is probably why they used her as the model for the toeless corpse in the scary stories to tell in the dark movie that came out last year instead of telling her own story. That being said, folk tales and myths similar to the haunted house can be found all around the world and throughout history, going all the way back to the Roman Empire. Before we dive into that though, a word from our sponsor, Squarespace. For over a decade now, Squarespace has been empowering creators like you and I, giving us all the tools to easily build beautiful websites without breaking the bank. After you pick out one of their award-winning website templates, you can set up a gallery of your artwork, sell your own products, or start collecting emails for your community newsletter. Their intuitive interface allows you to drag and drop elements, resize text, and a lot more without knowing how to code. And as great as all that sounds, my favorite thing about Squarespace is that you don't have to download anything to use it. It's all done inside your web browser, which means no patches, no bug fixes, nothing. But if you still find yourself needing help, there's no need to stress. Their personalized customer support is available 24-7, so your problem can be solved immediately, no matter the time or day of the week. So whether you want to give your business a fresh new online identity or get professional with your passion, you can go to squarespace.com slash John Solo to start your completely free trial. And when your site is ready for launch, use code John Solo to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, as I mentioned in the previous section, stories about brave souls spending the night in a haunted house and being rewarded for their bravery have been told across time. 
Some of them are spooky, and some are hilarious. One of the earliest tales of this type was written by Pliny the Younger and features a Stoic philosopher named Athenodorus. The story goes that he rented a haunted villa, and one night, while he was writing, a ghost appeared behind him and loudly rattled its chains to get the Stoic's attention. Athenodorus practiced what he preached, so he kept a cool head and told the ghost to wait a moment until he was finished with his writing, which had to be pretty bewildering to the spirit. But nonetheless, it waited, and when Athenodorus was done, he gave it his complete focus. The ghost signaled to Athenodorus that it wanted him to follow. Then it led him into the courtyard and indicated to a very specific spot on the ground before vanishing into thin air. The philosopher marked the spot and led the authorities to it the next day and told them they ought to start digging. It wasn't long before Athenodorus found what the ghost had wanted him to see. It was a skeleton bound with the same rusty chains the ghost rattled to get his attention. When Athenodorus gave the bones a proper burial ceremony, the unsettled spirit could finally rest, and Athenodorus was never bothered again for the rest of the time he stayed there. Now, whether you believe this story or not, there are two pretty obvious messages here, and both are also prominent in the haunted house story. The first one is that cooler heads always prevail. Athenodorus and the preacher could have screamed their heads off and run out the front door when their ghosts presented themselves, and I'll admit that's probably what I would have done, but they stayed calm in the face of danger and it paid off. The other important lesson is to respect the dead and give them a proper burial, even if you don't know them and owe them nothing. In many religions, the funeral rituals are key in ensuring a peaceful afterlife. A spirit trapped in the mortal plane would be at odds with its own existence and therefore in a perpetual state of misery. So as a human with a soul of your own, you should grant them the respect that you would want when you die. Otherwise, you might share their fate or worse. But as much as Athenodorus' story has in common with the haunted house, there are two more folk tales that are nearly identical to it. The first story that Alvin Schwartz lists as a direct source in the notes section of his book comes from the Cumberland Gap. For my fellow geographically challenged friends, Wikipedia tells me the Cumberland Gap is a pass in the eastern United States found in the Cumberland Mountains, within the Appalachian Mountains and near the tri-point of Kentucky, Virginia, and Tennessee. Schwartz sourced the story from a collection called Old Greasy Beard Tales from the Cumberland Gap which is a hell of a title. And because the story is so similar to The Haunted House, I'm not gonna bother going through the whole thing. Instead, I'm gonna highlight the fascinating differences and the details Schwartz chose to incorporate. Firstly, instead of a preacher looking to rid a house of a haunt, this one follows a farmhand who simply needs a place to sleep for the night so he can get to the farm he works at bright and early and the only available property near the farm is a house that's been haunted for 10 years. During his stay, he's confronted by two animals, a dog and a cat, which emerge from the fireplace he's cooking his dinner in, and the farmhand doesn't have much of a reaction. Instead of getting fearful and asking the animals, how the f did you both just climb out of the chimney, he just tells them to scram or they'll nasty his goose. Yeah, nasty his goose. I'm gonna use that phrase from now on. Get out of here, Gunther. You're gonna nasty my office with that stank booty. Later in the story, the man goes upstairs and lays in a bed that just so happened to still be there, but he soon feels his blanket getting pulled off him. 
like someone or something is in the room with him. The farmhand still isn't afraid though. Instead, he takes out a knife and cuts his blanket in half for them to share. But that's still not enough for the greedy spirit who wants the whole thing. Now that he can't sleep comfortably, the farmhand goes back downstairs to get cozy by the fire when he's surprised by a visit by some pretty young spirits and a fiddle player who put on a little show for him. At first, he's tapping his foot along with the beat, but after seeing what they can do, the man says, that's all I wanted to see. You can go away now and the ghosts actually listen. His final visitor is where the overlap with the haunted house is the most obvious. A coffin scoots its way down the stairs and flops on the floor. And the farmhand thinks, well, I survived the other ones just fine. Might as well see what this guy wants. He takes a nearby hammer and cracks open the coffin. And inside is a man's corpse with no head. The farmhand says that if you speak to a haunt in the name of God, it has to answer, which I think is why Schwartz made his hero a preacher and say the father, son, holy ghost thing before talking to the lady haunt. Well, the headless haunt shares a very similar message to the lady haunt. 10 years ago, he was murdered by some robbers who wanted his money, but they never found it. Then he says that if the farmhand brings the law to the property and tells them what happened there, he'll tell him where his money is and he can split it three ways with his two sons. The rest of the story unfolds exactly how you would expect. The farmhand kisses the corpse's neck stump, breaks the curse the evil queen placed on him, and they live happily ever after. Nah, he told the police and split the money with the sons. I just wanted to make sure you were paying attention because you need to hear this next story. For those of you who are new to the world of folklore, I should tell you about the Tale Type Index. Basically, it's a way for folklorists to organize folktales from all around the world by the archetypes and motifs they have in common and there are hundreds of categories. Stories about abandoned children, like Hansel and Gretel, are classified as type 327. The Princess and the Pea falls under type 704, the search for a sensitive wife. Yeah, believe it or not, there's more than one story in that category. And then there's Puss in Boots, which is type 545, animal helpers. Well, today's story, The Haunted House, is a reimagining of tale type 326, known simply as fear. <laughs> There are a surprising number of fairy tales in this category, but one of the best known was collected by the Grimm brothers in 1812. It's called Good Bowling and Card Playing. Full disclosure, the Grimm brothers later released a much longer expanded version of the story called The Boy Who Went Forth to Learn Fear, but that would take its own 20 minute episode for me to go through. So today we're sticking with the original shorter version. In the story, a king announces that anyone who stays for three nights in his haunted castle will win his daughter's hand in marriage and a young man who doesn't have anything to lose accepts his challenge. Similar to the heroes in our previous stories, he's confronted by some spooky specters while he's cozied up next to the fireplace. First, nine human bones fall out of the chimney along with two skulls. So the boy uses a lathe to shape the skulls into perfect spheres, sets up the bones as pins, and invites the haunted presence to join him in a game of bowling. Side note, I don't know why, but I was surprised that bowling was a thing back in the early 1800s. So I looked it up and it turns out that humans have been bowling since at least 3200 BCE. Depictions of the game have actually been found in tombs in ancient Egypt and remnants of bowling balls have been found in ancient Egyptian graves. The more you know. Well, in response to the young lad's invite, two black cats climb out of the chimney and say they wanna play cards. 
which is an entirely different game, but he accepts their invite under the condition that he can trim their claws, which are far too long. The boy picks up the cats by the scruff of their neck, straps them to the woodcarver's bench, then takes out a knife and stabs them both in the chest, killing them dead. And no, we don't have a Jeffrey Dahmer on our hands. In fairy tales, animals are often inhabited by the spirits of the dead, and sometimes those spirits are evil, so our hero was just protecting himself, not making a new lampshade. The animals weren't done with him yet though. After tossing the cat carcasses in the pond outside the castle, he went back to his fire and was immediately surrounded by dogs and cats, burying their fangs and claws. The animals began attacking him, and the youth defended himself well, stabbing, slashing, and gutting these evil creatures until the remaining few backed off and left him alone for the night but his adventure wasn't over. Now that he was finally safe from rabid evil animals, he laid in a nearby bed and tried to get some sleep. But soon enough, the bed began moving around the whole castle. At first, it was kind of fun, and the young man said as much. But when he commented that it could be a little faster, the bed sped off up the stairs as if it was a carriage pulled by six horses. Then, it flipped on top of him. Don't worry though, he survived the accident with only minor cuts and bruises. Then he climbed out from under the bed and brought the pillow and blanket to the fireplace and slept there for the rest of the night. When the king showed up the next morning to check on his challenger, the boy was still sleeping. So the king thought that he was actually dead and felt a little guilty about it. But then the boy's eyes fluttered open and he said the first night went just fine. So these next two should be easy. And so they were. Now that he knew what to expect, these spooky sleepovers got easier and easier to survive. And on the third morning, he won the king's respect and the prince princess's heart. Not like her literal heart, just she fell in love with him, I guess. As you can see, there is no shortage of stories about people trying to survive the night, and what we covered today was just the tip of the iceberg. Not only are there dozens more fairy tales and urban legends that follow this format, but I would argue that Five Nights at Freddy's even falls into this category. Too bad I didn't take advantage of that trend while it was going on. I'm a terrible YouTuber. But now I wanna hear your thoughts on these scary stories. Not only the ones we talked about today, but the scary stories to tell in the dark series as a whole. Should I keep covering them and the folklore that inspired them? If so, which one do you wanna hear about next? Let me know by hitting up Messed Up Origins on social media. Links to our TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter are all in the description. Then make sure to sacrifice five stars to the algorithm gods and hit that follow button for new podcast episodes every Friday morning. I'll see you all again and next week when we dive into some long-awaited, heavily requested holiday content. Until then, my name is John Solo, and remember, John shot first.